This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. We are going to switch gears now, hopefully to say something a little more optimistic. It's the dawn of a new decade, and there's no question that the world has changed over the last 10 years. What aspects of life have changed for you, and what are the defining political moments in Canada in the last 10 years? Let me give you the numbers again. You know, I don't don't know about you, but I know that there was... A moment, and it's probably somewhere around 2012, 2013, when I kind of woke up in the morning and I thought, wow, the world has changed. It's different. Uh, and it didn't change after 2000 and it didn't change after 2005, but, but it did change. And um, I'm wondering if that happened for you. When did that happen for you and why? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Danielle Bellon, Director of the McGill Institute for the Study of Canada at McGill University. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us. Happy New Year. Thanks for the invitation. Okay. So uh, from your point of view, what are the defining moments and, tra- and, and trends of the last decade? In Kenyan politics? Uh, well, let's say- start there. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with Kenyan politics. Um, I think to me the 2015 election was really a turning point in the sense that, you know, in 2011, uh, the liberals finished in, uh, in third position with fewer you know, with uh, fewer than 35 seats and uh, less than 20% of the votes. And at the time, the NDP uh, became uh, the official opposition. And they had this orange wave in Quebec. They had, in total, more than 100 seats. And the following election, so 2015, at the beginning of the campaign, people saw it as a race between the Conservatives and the NDP. And the Liberals were really in third place still. And there was a major reversal during the campaign, and in the end, the Liberals ended up winning a, a majority government. Um, and, and that was a surprise and, and a major turning point, because the Liberals were back, and, and they are still in power, uh, even if it's with the minority government. So I think, to me, it was probably the most important event of the year in, uh, in Canada, event of the decade in Canadian politics. And, um, of course... Uh, there is a lot of contingency in this. Um, the timing of the 2015 election, the people were not necessarily so happy with the conservatives, but there were some turning points during the campaign that undermined support for the NDP. And in the end, we got a, a liberal majority government. And I think the fact that the liberals have returned to this position of being the kind of governing party in Canada, at least for the time being, is... Um, something that many people would not have expected in 2011, for example, or in, uh, you know, just even a few months before the election in 2015. Yeah, it certainly was. uh, But now uh, that seems to be, uh, you know, very much on shaky ground. Uh, The prime minister, it seems to me, is, uh, you know, he's, he's a bit tarnished. He was, you know, the big hero in 2015, not any longer. Absolutely. I think... Uh, what happened is that um, 
the election in 2015 was related in part to the charisma, perceived charisma of the prime minister, and it's true that his, his public image uh, has been tarnished over the last four years. And, you know, it started with the trip to India, then, of course, SNC-Lavalin, the blackface uh, issue during the campaign, the, this last year's campaign. And so it's true that the prime minister uh, is um, not <laughs> this kind of new shiny object in not just in Kenyan politics, but in the world politics. You know, when, when the liberals uh, took power in late 2015, Trudeau was seen as a kind of model for a kind of new, hip, kind of center-left politics. And uh, I think this, this kind of dream or uh, this, this image uh, has been shattered, that, that's for sure. You know, I, I want to throw something out because uh, there's one thing that I think... It's just about the the biggest uh, irritant or issue for a lot of our callers in terms of Justin Trudeau, and and I'm hoping that our callers will respond. And that is Omar Khadr and the government payment to Omar Khadr. That seems to be one thing that at least our audience here. Mm-hmm. will not forget. And and people out there, please feel free to call uh, to tell me if you agree with me or if you think that I'm talking nonsense. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. So people are still angry about that. And, uh, you know, we've just seen the ouster of Andrew Scheer and, uh, you know, uh, th- the Prime Minister gave the Conservatives a, a bunch of uh, free shots, if you want to call it that, and, and he he couldn't uh, put it into the basket. I probably am mixing my sports metaphor here, but uh, yeah. do you agree about yeah, the importance? I think the Omar Khadr, you know, issue was was big when, it, when the payment occurred, was announced, but during the campaign we didn't talk much about it. What we talk a lot about is pipelines and this east-west divide, you know, between... Uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, and and also to a lesser extent, uh, Newfoundland, Labrador, and provinces like Quebec and BC, or even Ontario, where concerns about the environment are greater, and where there is little or no oil, or little in terms of oil extraction. So this divide, which is a divide that's hardly new, it's about what's in our soil in terms of natural resources, it's about our economies, and it's about uh, climate change. And we have been talking about climate change for a long time now. But this divide is is, uh, is still very powerful, and you see that uh, when we talk about the leadership race for the conservatives. It would be really a debate between people who take climate change seriously uh, and people who think that this is not such a central issue. And the next conservative leader uh, will, will, uh, will have to really take a clear stance over this. And that was a problem for the conservatives during the last campaign. So to me, this is a much more important and lasting issue than, say, the Qadar uh, uh, case. Um, but I understand why people could be hungry, uh, hungry, angry about this. It's lunchtime for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't get hangry, though. <laughs> no, no, no. But some people get angry about these type of cases because it's about justice and it's about, you know, what also we do with uh, taxpayers' money, right? Um, but at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, I think that, you know, the Trans Mountain Pipeline and the, the return of regionalism to the front stage in Canada, because regionalism has always been here, right? Since 1867, and we, you know, it's a, it's a country where you have strong uh, provincial and, and regional identities. 
that's always been the case, but uh, in part because of the partisan divide that you don't have any liberal MPs anymore in Saskatchewan and Alberta, in part because of the economic situation out west, especially in Alberta, uh, you have a lot of resentment towards the federal government. And we are going back to, you know, the, the same type of debates that we had in the early 1980s over the National Energy Program. And so it's not the first time that we have these type of debates. But I think this is really, if I will talk about the most important developments in the last few years of the decade, that will be the return of this sense of Western alienation to the front stage of the political debate in Canada. Now, do you see a parallel? We see just how polarized politics are south of the border in the United States yes. and in other places. So do you see this as the perhaps particular Canadian expression of that? And do you see things getting more divided and polarized? Or, or yes. yes. Okay, I go ahead. I think a good point. Uh, yes, I, I think if you look at the, you listen to the rhetoric of Jason Kenney, and I live in Alberta for seven years. I know Alberta quite well. Uh, and it's, there is a populist trend, and especially in Alberta, and again, it's not something new. It was there in the old days, the social credit. It came back under Ralph Klein. And it's certainly there with Jason Kenney. Um, there is a sense that, you know, there is the Alberta people, the people in Alberta who are really mistreated by other provinces, by the federal government. And this is our way of populism. You know, in Europe and in the U.S., populism is more potent at the national level, Right. But in Canada, because regionalism is so strong, populism generally takes place and is powerful at the provincial level. Uh, in a way, you have that with Legault in Quebec. Uh, some people are arguing that Legault's, you know, Bill 21 and some of the rhetoric and about uh, is actually, you know, populist in a certain sense. Uh, in Alberta, Jason Kenney, I think it's quite obvious that it's, there's a form of populism there. Uh, you, you appeal to the people, but also against a corrupt elite. In the case of Jason Kenney, the corrupt elite is really, uh, you know, the, Justin Trudeau and the liberals in Ottawa, right? Uh, so in our, in our federal system, when you appeal to populist sentiments, you tend to do it more at the regional or provincial level. You talk about Western alienation or Quebec uh, separatism and so forth. Um, and it's not the case in the U.S. In the U.S., populism is very strong at the, at the federal level, the national level. We see that with Donald Trump, and you see in, in many European countries now, you have these, um, these um, right-wing populist parties that are very powerful. In other parts of the world, populism is on the left of the political spectrum. You have that uh, in Latin America. Not so recently, we had Hugo Chavez, for example, in Venezuela. We know how it, how it turned out, but it was really populism on the left. Uh, but, but I think populism is, is something that we have in Canada. But yes, it takes a, a specific, really Canadian uh, uh, um, you know, form and shape, which is regionalism. And nationalism in the case of Quebec. Okay, let's take a call from Margaret. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. Happy New Year. Likewise, I listen to you whenever I'm at home. But I'll tell you what really ticks me off. This black face with, with Prime Minister Trudeau. Libby, there are so many people that isolate from us in a very discreet manner. And we know what the problem is. So why wouldn't they get off over it? We are not concerned about it because it comes in different fashion. In my belief, I don't think he's a, he's a racist guy. I don't think so. He seems like a very nice person. So the other people should. It is true we didn't pick it up because that would have been more fodder for whomever. And we decided to stand down and let it be. So why can't others let it be? 
Okay. Yes, I don't understand. What What do you think for you? Is there any kind of defining thing for the last decade? Yeah, every minute is true than blackface. How many people has have done it and they're not exposed? So yeah, he did it. He excuse me, he did it, and then just let it be. I get tired of hearing it, to be honest with you, as a woman of color. Okay, got Thank you. you. Margaret, thanks for your call. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, uh, Dr. Belon, do you think that it will be um, personal peccadilloes like blackface or, you know, making an idiot of himself in India uh, that will be defining, or is it is it more the larger policy? And, and he seems to have resolved, or the word is he's resolved to kind of be less in your face, less celebrity. Is that going to make a difference? Yes, I think it's a good strategy. I mean, in the long run, I think you're, you're right about war. I mean, this lady is right that, you know, we made a lot out of it, but I don't think this is what will define... Uh, you know, the, 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 the tenure of Justin Trudeau as a prime minister, I think we have to understand the bigger um, the bigger picture. I talked about regionalism earlier, but there are a lot of, of important issues. The economy is going well. The fiscal situation is okay, but could be better at the federal level. Uh, we have a lot of major challenges in terms of the environment. Uh, and I think that it's, you know, whether, um, especially during this, you know, second Trudeau government, that uh, things can improve on that front um, and, and we can maintain a strong economy because if the economy goes down, we'll have larger deficits and, and then it will be much more difficult for Justin Trudeau to, and, and the Liberals to govern. Uh, it's already very difficult and the economy is doing well. well uh, so a that, lot of people the, are... The cloud are... above our heads and above the Prime Minister's head is <laughs> the, the economy. Uh, as uh, you know, you... Uh, a former advisor of, um, of Bill Clinton said it's the economy stupid. And the liberals, frankly, if the economy had not been strong, probably would have lost the last federal elections because, you know, they, they made pretty big mistakes. And SNC-Lavalin was probably the biggest. And they lost quite a bit of support because of that, and especially the image of the prime minister was tarnished. And then there was the blackface and so forth. Um, and I, think it, I don't think he, the prime minister will ever go back to the popularity uh, or the image that he had in, at, after the uh, the federal uh, elections in late 2015, that will never uh, come back. But I think that the liberals as a party, um, I think that they, they are in much better shape than they were even in, you know, early 2015, five, five years ago. And I think that they, they have to think also about, you know, after Justin Trudeau, who, who the next leader will be. Of course, they won't talk that about that openly, but we see people like Christa, Christia Freeland and others uh, who are, uh, have now bigger profiles, especially Christia Freeland, and, and we see how she does in her, in her role, very important uh, role that she plays now. Uh, but we have to think of this as a team. It's not just the prime minister. and We should not just focus on the prime minister. Uh, and I think that's the message of this, um, what's happening now in Ottawa. We don't see Justin Trudeau as much, and there's more, you know, it's more about the team. And, and it's probably a good strategy because Justin Trudeau himself is a, is a kind of diminished figure. Okay. On that note, very interesting, and it will all be very interesting to watch. Thank you so much, Daniel Bellon, director of the McGill Institute for the Study of Canada. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, and a Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.